You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Fashion lovers, welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young, and we have a wonderful show for you today. We'll be speaking with Sophie Gamand, the award winning French photographer who's dedicated her life and work to photographing dogs and helping homeless pets. She has some amazing stories to tell, and her work is so beautiful. I'm excited to introduce you to her today. But first, we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. This is Christy Hins Clark founder and creative director for Legitimut. Legitimut is a fashionable yet functional made-in-America canine brand. We produce collars, leashes, beds, blankets, accessories, and apparel all made from the finest materials. We strive to produce the highest quality products that will meet the needs of every pampered pooch. To order these gorgeous fashion styles for dogs, visit Legitimut.com. L-E-G-I-T-I-M-U-T-T dot com. Check out my new interview for Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. And we're here with a very talented photographer today, Sophie Gamond. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm so excited to talk with you. Your work is really, really beautiful. And the fact that you help pets the way you do is incredible. You're like doing the work of angels. And we'll talk more oh. about that. But what really interested me is you have your own unique view on why you photograph dogs. Tell us about that. Well, I believe that dogs were created and engineered by men through artificial selection, basically. We've invented dogs and breeds and we've taught them skills. And also they have been evolving in parallel to us for millennia. So it makes them very unique to humankind. And the dog-human partnership is very special. So I actually believe that all this should give us tremendous responsibility towards the dogs because we created all these breeds and, and we made them what they are today. And in many societies today, dogs even replace children and spouses and friends. They have become the center of the home. So I think it, it really speaks volume on our human society and the way we interact with each other and with nature and with animals in general. Uh, why do people turn to dogs when they seek meaningful relationships? All these thoughts are really what fuel my photography. Very interesting. Really, really cool, Sophie. And it's so true. I mean, dogs have pets, really, but dogs in particular 
are becoming the children of people in certainly today's American society, maybe in other places around the world. For me, I mean, we have two dogs. I try and balance treating them between treating them like children and letting them be dogs and, you know, Mm -hmm. enjoying being who they are. And I'm not always successful. But as someone who is so observant, as you are, as, as any good photographer would need to be. What is your view on that? Why do you think it is? And how do you feel about it? I do think that people in New York, spe- specifically, you know, where I'm based and where I work, I think people take this to a whole new level. You know, it was mm. the first time in my life I ever saw people walking their dogs in strollers. <laughs> so they really, you know, in big cities, I think that tendency is really very strong. I had never seen that in Europe, for sure. And I think it's actually interesting that this phenomenon seems to happen in large cities around the world. Uh, you think that the more people live in one place, the easiest it is to build meaningful relationships with other people. But actually, the opposite happens. And Isn't that funny? Like people, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And what happens is people actually grow increasingly disconnected. So as a photographer, as you put it, I'm an observant. So I, I observe what's happening and I try not to judge. I do think that what's happening with dogs says a lot about us humans and we're really compensating for something or maybe it's easier to rely on dogs, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's just really fascinating. I think that because people come with their baggage, now dogs come with baggage too, but it's a different type of baggage, Mm -hmm. but we can always rely on dogs to be there for us emotionally. They're always so happy to see us. You know, we're not going to have an argument with the dog. They're there for us emotionally, and Mm -hmm. I think that that's a part of it, certainly. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I think also what's really fascinating is basically we are creating new breeds and new type of dogs, and we are shaping our dogs to really fit needs that we have. So, for example, you see more and more small dogs that are cute with big eyes and they're fluffy and they're tiny. This is really, you know, an animal that we're creating to fulfill some needs that we have and to appeal to our nurturing nature. Um, And that's why people are very attached to puppies, for example, because they really speak to our nurturing nature. And I think that's what people want to feel. They want to feel needed and loved and they want to feel like they're giving something, they're giving unconditional love. And it's so difficult with humans. It's yes. so much easier with dogs, I guess. Yes. yes, yes. I agree with you. I agree with you. How did you get started doing all of this? Was it something that you were drawn to as a child or did it come later? How did it happen? I really always loved animals and art. I tried many things before um, settling with photography. And my dog photography obsession, though, happened, I would say, organically after I moved to New York in 2010. I mm-hmm. just, you know, started photographing dogs as a way to get familiar with my new life and my new surroundings because I was moving from Europe. Everything was new and I didn't know people here. So I think photographing dogs was my way into people's life a little bit because I was quite shy. So, you know, I also used the dog basically as a social anchor, you know, like a lot of people do in big cities. You get to meet so many people and then I become involved in dog rescue 
and my work became so meaningful. For an artist, it's the best feeling, really, when your work can make a difference and when you feel like it has a purpose. Absolutely, absolutely. And people have connected to it in a big way. I mean, your work's been featured in some of the top publications around the world, on the Today Show, on The View, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Huffington Post, on Oprah Magazine. Did you imagine when you began this that your work would be so embraced? Absolutely not. I was, you know, I, I really don't think any artist can imagine that kind of thing. You know, you, you hope for the recognition, obviously, as an artist, but to this extent and to the, with the rapidity that it propagates online and in the media, it all started in the fall 2013 with my wet dog series going mm-hmm. viral online. And I was actually in, the, in quite a, you know, dark place at that time with my art. I was starting to question if it was the right path for me, even photography, you know, I was thinking, who would be interested in dog portraits? It's such a, you know, niche. It's such a small little thing. And it became very difficult. And then one day, I just promised myself I would try and be the best dog photographer I can be. You know, that's when things really took off for me. And now I'm, I'm very established and I'm loving it. It's so nice to be able to make a living with something I feel so passionate about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned your wet dog series. Tell us about that. Tell us what it is about a wet dog that spoke to you. Ah, the wet dog. (laughs) You know, the wet dog happened a little bit by surprise. I was doing a project on grooming and I didn't intend to take those portraits, but, you know, that day I was really open to capturing the whole grooming process. And I started photographing the dogs as they were being washed by the groomer and I realized they had these amazing expressions. And so I I did a whole series of portraits uh, just capturing how miserable and uncomfortable, I guess, they were, you (laughs) know, during the whole bath process. And I think it goes back to my exploration and my research. It's really about what do we do with dogs? and two dogs, why are dogs accepting all these things from us? Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it says so much about dogs as an animal who is so subdued to humanity and as humans who just take, you know, a wild animal and turn it into a pet and the whole process. The bath is really a symbol of, of that pet ownership because, you know, wild animals don't need to be bathed like this as much, right. you know, as dogs. Or We do it also for social reasons, obviously. But I just felt like the wet dog was almost a mirror of the human condition. They're sitting in the tub and they're like, being Like bathed. our babies, like a baby, like a human baby. Like a baby, you know, it's happening to them and they don't have control over it. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the way they look on these photos, it's almost like they're reaching out for their maker or, you know, they're reaching out for the big power that's controlling their life. And like wondering in the eyes, you can read, you know, the wonder, the surprise, the questioning. Why are you doing this to me? You know? Oh, no, way, now I'm going to feel terrible every time I give my doggies a bath. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just part of, it's just part of the partnership, the amazing partnership we have with dogs. It's part yes. of the contract. And that's what's fascinating about dogs and people and how they work together. It's basically, we have this unspoken contract of, I will give you shelter and food and love and you will live in my house. And in return, you know, you may have to walk on the leash for the rest of your life. You may have to take baths. You know, you have all these sets of rules that apply to dogs. And it's just fascinating that we're doing this together. I love exploring this. 
and that it's working out for the most part so well, you know, if mm-hmm. you're a yes. responsible, loving dog parent owner and, you know, you've created a life with these animals where you're giving them what they need in terms of some space to run and play and, and be dogs, mm-hmm. the domesticated dogs that they've become. And they're giving you the unconditional love and, you know, the companionship that we mm-hmm. are looking for from them. So it's really, I agree with you, it's quite amazing. And you, you know, what's amazing too is in big cities to see all these dogs cohabitating with each other. Yes. I mean, yes, when you think about it, it's, it's, not it's, a it's quite impressive. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah, I think so too. I think so for the people and for the animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you have an amazing series that I want to talk with you more about, but we've got to take a short break from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, There is a collection of work that Sophie is doing that has helped find homes for the number one hardest breed to find homes for, the pit bull. So refresh that drink. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with the vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active for Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active for Pets. Ready to try Active for Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of active4pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. And we're here today with the wonderful photographer, Sophie Gamond. Sophie, you have a really important and beautiful collection called Flower Power. Is it the Pitbull Revolution that you call it? Flower yes. Power, the Pitbull Revolution. Uh-huh. Tell Pitbull us about the revolution. Yes. Tell us about that and how it came about. So 
When I started photographing dogs in New York, uh, almost immediately I started volunteering with rescue groups. It just made sense to give back to the dog community in a way. So I was confronted to pit bulls a lot because there is a lot of homeless pit bulls in New York, a huge numbers of them. And I was attacked by a large dog when I was a kid. And so each time, you know, the shelter staff would bring out a large energetic dog, I would tend to tense up a little bit. Not yeah, that I was afraid, sure. but I was a little uneasy. Mm. Um, and with pit bulls, you know, often they have lots of energy. And when they live in the kennel all day long and you bring them on a photo shoot, they jump and, you know, they want to play. So it's a lot of energy to take in. And I had a bit of prejudice, I guess, also against those dogs, the pit bulls. Just from hearing all we hear in the media all the time, even if you don't want to believe it, you know, at some point it kind of informs your subconscious. Sure. And when you see a pit bull, it tense up. I mean, it's just how it works. So I just wanted to find out the truth about pit bulls for myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to form my own opinion. And I think as a photographer, the best way I knew how was to do a, a photo series. And right at the beginning, I decided to showcase pit bulls in a very unexpected way. So I chose to photograph them wearing flower crowns because they were basically the most feminine and fragile thing I could think of. And I felt like pit bulls were always portrayed in such a masculine way, you know, with studs and tattoos and leather and, it, you know, it's a badass dog. So I just wanted to break the stereotype and see what could come out of it. And then while researching the project, I realized that a quarter of one million pit bulls are euthanized every year in America. I mean, when you think about That's, that number... It's an it's, incredible... Yeah, it is an absolutely astounding number. One it's million. It's crazy. So That's out sense. of 1.2 million dogs who are being euthanized, 1.2 million dogs, one million of them are pit bulls. Oh my the problem God. is huge. It's huge. And I feel like we really need to talk about it. But not in a, you know, hate people or love people, more like an adult, calm way and just address the issue. So as a visual artist, of course, the best weapon I know to use is images. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's almost, I would say my flower power series almost works like a subliminal message. I mm-hmm. want to expose people to a different way of looking at pit bulls, less threatening way. And I feel like if we stop being afraid of them for no reason or for, you know, a couple of few accidents that are horrible, but are very isolated case, if we stop being afraid of them, then we can have a clearer vision on who they are and how to address the pit bull crisis. It's incredible. And these crowns are beautiful. And it seems like you've matched the perfect crown to the dog. (laughs) You make these crowns as well, right? Yes, I make the crowns. How many of them have you made? And do you make them with a particular dog in mind? So the way I work is basically I just spend a day making flower crowns. It takes about one hour to make a crown because I put a lot of care, a lot of work into each crown. You I want tell. all of them to have a <laughs> thank you. I want them to have a very strong, unique personality. Mm. And then I just bring, you know, thirty, forty crowns on the photo shoot at the shelter. And then for each dog that comes in, I just choose a crown that's going to match the shape of their face and their color and their personality. All these photos, I'm not sure we mentioned it, but they're all shelter people. So basically, I bring a little studio set up in shelters, and then the volunteers uh, just bring the dogs one by one. It's to help them get adopted primarily. Yes. So it's, you know, I don't put crowns on everybody. You know, not all dogs are flower material, but um, <laughs> when it works, it's just fun and it's, it's 
It's great. I want it, every dog to have their own crown, so I, I never use a crown twice. Yeah, it's so powerful, too. I mean, it must be fun, and it must be very creative because these photos are beautiful. You have to take a look at these photos on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site. They are really stunning. But they're also so powerful because these faces are so open, and the crowns mm-hmm. and the power of the crowns on these open faces just create an image that speaks to you. It can't help but speak to you. So you've adopted through this photo series quite a few pit bulls. Do you know how many you've had a hand in adopting? It's very hard to quantify because when people reach out to the shelter, they don't necessarily say, oh, I saw that photo, you know, so it's, it's difficult to quantify. But I would say I took about 120 photos of pit bulls wearing flower crowns. And out of the 120, uh, about 60 of them have been adopted already. I know for so sure in some that's instances... That's 50%. That's amazing. Yeah, it's 50%. So out of those 50%, I don't know how many was, you know, because of the photo, but I do know of a few success stories that are quite amazing of dogs that have been sitting in shelters for years and then somebody just saw their flower portrait and fell in love. So Can I know you tell us happened. a couple of them? Tell us a couple. Well, Brownie is definitely probably my most successful uh, story. She was sitting at the shelter for two years when I uh, photographed her with the flowers. She was a a petite pit bull, so really cute, really sweet, but she didn't show very well at the shelter. So in two years, nobody had inquired about adopting her. She was very shy in her cage, and I guess, you know, she didn't jump around and give kisses, or so just people would just go on to the next dog when they would meet her. So I took the, the portrait, and it turned out incredibly, like, sweet and heartbreaking at the same time. She looked like a small child and, and so vulnerable, mm. and people responded so well to that photo on social media. It went viral, and she was adopted within two weeks. Oh, her adopter goodness. just saw the photo and then went straight to the shelter and said, this is the dog I want. Oh, and as a matter of fact... <laughs> She got so many applications that actually a lot of people were directed to other dogs. So her story actually brought more adopters to the shelter because she was no longer available. The staff would say, oh, but we have this other dog that you might like. So oh. she was a huge success story all around. That's amazing. That is so, so <laughs> beautiful. And your Instagram account, I mean, how many followers do you have now? A lot, several thousand. Yeah, I have over 40,000 followers on Instagram. Oh, my God. So what an amazing platform for yes. this series. It's amazing. A, yeah, it's, it's a great platform for the message of this mm-hmm. series because most people that follow me on Instagram follow me for this series in particular. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are dog lovers, but a lot of them are not people lovers. And they're just touched by the images. Um, So it's often, you know, the approach to the breed. And some people message me all the time saying, oh, you changed the way I look at pit bulls. My husband, for one, he was not a big fan of pit bulls. And he recently told me, you know, I used to want to even change sidewalks almost when I would see a pit bull in the street. And now I just want to go to them and cuddle with them because I think of them of the photos with the flowers. Where they're so vulnerable and sweet and lovable. Yeah, that's how powerful it is. You just shot your 500th dog at a shelter, yes, didn't you? And he yes. was a very special boy, mm-hmm. right? Hero? Yes, yes. Hero. Tell us about um, Hero. 
So Hero is a, another really strong story. His name originally was Titan, and he's a 12-year-old German shepherd who was surrendered at the ACC of New York by his family because they were facing financial hardships. So the ACC took uh, Titan in, and then to give him a better chance of getting adopted, they transferred him to their rescue partner, Animal Haven, which is a shelter where I do most of my photography work. Um, out of 500 dogs, I photographed about 250 dogs there. So mm-hmm. half of my pro bono work is done there. Animal Haven, you know, inquired about the story of Hero, and they decided to name him a hero, actually, because... Turns out this beautiful senior dog had saved his family from a house fire uh, wow. by waking them up in the middle of the night. Wow. Uh, so it was a, such a powerful story. And to think that that family had to then surrender him to a shelter. It must have been heartbreaking for them. It must have been heartbreaking. You know, I imagine, you know, not all the people who surrendered pets are monsters. And a lot of them do it because they don't have another choice. And they're heartbroken yeah. broken about it. So when I photographed Hero at the shelter, he looked so confused to be at the shelter. He, you know, 12 years old. And then all of a sudden, he's in the middle of all these dogs and these kennels and it's loud and scary. Um, Luckily, his story was so strong that he got adopted in two days, which for a senior dog is absolutely amazing because they're very hard to adopt. Yes, yes. It's a beautiful story. And I'd love to get a picture of Hero. I think you have on your site a picture of Hero and his family. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, we have to put that up. I want people to see that. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's really, really wonderful. You have an organization called Striking Paws that is sort of, I guess, the umbrella under which you do a lot of this work with homeless pets. Tell us a little bit about that. So Striking Paws is, uh, yeah, it's kind of the umbrella for all the pro bono work that I do. I was doing so much, actually, so many shoots that it was getting too much for my professional website. So I figured I'm going to separate it. And the idea with Tracking Paws is basically to educate shelters and rescue groups of the importance of good photography or good imagery. When you run a rescue organization, you are so busy with the day-to-day activities that you kind of forget or you overlook the important aspect of your work that is marketing. And when you think about it, and that's what I try to explain to rescue groups, basically they're competing on a market that is saturated with animals. There's hundreds of thousands of animals available for adoption. So if they don't market themselves and make a difference with images, it's harder for them to get noticed. Um, So the animals need to stand out and good professional photography helps tremendously. So when I started striking pose, it was actually difficult to find groups to work with because they they were suspicious. They thought, oh, it's going to be so much work and not a big benefit. But now they really see the difference it can make. And I have people contacting me all the time. And I can't even cater to everyone anymore because there's so many shelters and rescue groups that need help. So if there's a photographer out there listening to this interview, I would say get in touch with your local shelter because they really, really need help with that. And it's a great way to help and give back to the community and help doggies and cats and all sorts of animals. Absolutely. And there are other professional photographers doing pro bono work in shelters. I found out about yes. a couple of them through Suzanne Donaldson. Yeah. So, yeah. There's more and more of them I, doing it. It's really a growing trend. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking, I mean, as a former publicist, I mean, that was my longtime career. I certainly know the power of a great image. And today it's all about images and videos. So, and everybody knows that. So it seems like a no brainer. It sounds like an amazing idea to get a group of wonderful photographers like yourself together under an umbrella to go and help these shelters so that Mm -hmm. you can spread out and help even more shelters like the ACC in New York, which really needs needs uh, photography help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so there is a group on a, on a bit of a sort of, you know, different note. There's actually a group called the Doberman Gang. I thought that was really yes. cute. Who are the Doberman <laughs> right. Gang, Sophie? Tell us about like so, what they do and these cool accessories they make. Yeah, it's actually an amazing group. So it's called the Doberman Gang of New York. And it's basically a meetup group for Doberman owners in New York City. I met them. They were basically passing their good canine citizen test with the AKC, which is basically, you know, some obedience tests and a lot of little exercises just to show that they're good canine citizen and, the, you know, they make great city dogs. So I was fascinated by their looks. I mean, Dobermans are such majestic dogs. And they similar are. To pitbulls, yeah, and similar to Pitbulls, you know, they really suffer from a negative image. Not as bad as Pitbulls, but, you know, people think they're aggressive or they're dangerous because they have these pointy ears and, and, and their body, you know, is strong and tall. But really, I just discovered that day that Dobermans are actually big mush babies and they're actually the sweetest dogs they are. Some of them would just jump in their owner's arms. They oh were my like goodness. I didn't know that about was, Dobies. I yeah, didn't know that. Wow. I didn't know, I didn't know either. I discovered yeah. that that day. And so I approached the founder and president of the gang of New York. Her name is Chrissy Mack. And um, she has a Doberman that doesn't have cropped ears. Her Doberman is called Lucy, and she didn't want to have her ears cropped. So it was the first time I would see a Doberman with long, floppy ears. And it, it was actually really, really cool. And she happens to have her own brand of collars uh, called Collarati. Mm-hmm. And the collars are really fun and badass and cool, you know, with studs <laughs> and, and shiny things. It's really an awesome line of uh, collars. So we did a little editorial shoot together with Lucy, her Doberman, and we had so much fun. It, it was great. It looks like you had so much fun. We're going to have a couple of those pictures yeah. up on the site too. And the oh, collars thanks. are beautiful, guys. So Colorado, oh, yeah. I think it's C-O-L-L-A-R-I-A-T-I. Got it. That sounds great. Now, you've taken your work to help the homeless Outside of New York, certainly, but in mm-hmm. particular, I want to talk to you about Puerto Rico and a horrible yes. place that's been named Dead Dog Beach that I didn't know about. I've been to Puerto Rico. Tell us about what you're doing in this place, what it is, what you're doing, and hopefully how it's starting a process to help these dogs. Yeah. So basically, when I, I moved here and I started photographing dogs, very quickly, I, I decided I wanted to help rescue groups. And I was looking for a group to help, and I met Chrissy Beckles in my neighborhood. She's the founder and president of the Sato Project. It's basically a rescue group based in New York who rescues dogs on Dead Dog Beach in Puerto Rico. And they vet them, they rehabilitate them, and then they fly them to New York to be adopted. So I actually spent a year and a half flying to Puerto Rico with this lady and documenting the work she was doing on Dead Dog Beach and photographing the stray dogs on the island to try to bring awareness to, you know, what's happening there. 
There are about 250,000 stray dogs in Puerto Rico. Oh, my God. And the island is, I think it's about the size of Connecticut, I think. So it's Mm -hmm. a tiny island that's really overrun by stray dogs. If you go outside the big touristic areas, there's dogs everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the problem is really out of hand there. Uh, Nobody stays on nature and these dogs, you know, they live in horrible conditions and they're injured and sick and it's really, really heartbreaking. Chrissy has been working on Dead Dog Beach for, I think, at least eight years now. And it's basically a beach that's a little isolated and people drive there and dump dogs on a daily basis. Oh, my God. Yeah, there used to be a lot of horrible things happening on the beach. And that's why the beach was called Dead Dog Beach. You know, there was a lot of gangs that would go there and do gang rituals or target practice on the dog. I've seen pretty horrific things uh, in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of drug violence. And unfortunately, the dogs, you know, are one of the victims of that kind of criminality. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of dog fighting. So you would have guys bringing their pit bulls or their, you know, fighting dogs and just throw them on, on dogs on the beach to practice. I mean, it's just, it's a nasty, nasty place for dogs. And it's really, really sad. So I wanted to bring awareness to it. I helped the group also, you know, I I became extremely involved in the rescue group. It was a great experience. I had to take a break from it because of my Pitbull Flower Power project. But um, I'm hoping to go back there and, you know, continue the project and hopefully make a book maybe one day. Wonderful. And you are putting these photos that you had taken out on social media and just kind of getting it out there to raise awareness about this place, yeah? Yes, and the group used the photos to promote their work as well. So it allowed them to fundraise and, you know, get more exposure and more press. So it was another way of, you know, using work for good cause. Wonderful. That's great. Now, on a lighter note, you recently received a Hero of the Year Award. Congratulations, (laughs) Sophie. Tell us about that. Who gave you this award? (laughs) So it's actually funny, but just in the same week, I received two awards for the work I do with shelters. So the first one is the Hero of the Year Award. I received that award at a beautiful fundraiser event called Rescue the Runway. And it's basically benefiting a bunch of different rescue groups, including the ACC and Mr. Bones and Co. and a bunch of groups that are so amazing. And they gave me this award for my Flower Power series with Pitbulls. So it was amazing, fantastic to see all these people come together and celebrate the series. And then a couple of days later, I received the Leonard Simon Award from Animal Haven for all the shelter photography that I am doing on a regular basis. So it's been a super busy week. (laughs) I'm very, very grateful. As a volunteer, you know, it's always nice to be recognized for your work. And But mostly, you know, it's so touching to see so many people standing so very strong behind my flower power project. Um, And it makes me want to take it even further. And for that reason, I'm actually planning a road trip across the country. And hopefully in a few months, I'm, I'm just starting to organize that to gather stories of pit bulls, you know, in different states and different cities around the U.S. and collect flower portraits from shelters along the way as well and hopefully make a book. So I'll be announcing probably a Kickstarter campaign of some kind in a few months and just see if the community wants to join me in this beautiful adventure of taking flower power on the roads and and expand the project. Oh, that's wonderful. You'll have to come back and keep us posted on that. Yes. You actually, you have a book coming out too. Your wet dog series oh, yes. is made into a book. It's coming out soon. When is it coming out and how can people get it? Oh, so I am 
so excited. I've been waiting for almost two years for this moment. The book Wet Dog is coming out this October on the 13th. So it's going to be a collection of adorable soggy doggies, you know, looking miserable <laughs> or sometimes happy, you know, at best time. Uh, it's super, super cute. I worked really hard to photograph about 80 dogs for the book. The book is published with Grand Central Publishing. So I don't know, you know, where it's going to be distributed yet, but I know that Target, you know, was very interested and Barnes and & Nobles and places like this. So hopefully it's going to be available everywhere and, and people, you know, will be able to purchase it very easily. Otherwise, all the info will be on my website, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and tell people what your website URL is and where they can learn more about you and purchase your work because you do have a gallery on your site where people can purchase, right? Yes. So the best way to see my work is to go to my website, which is sophiegammond.com. And there is a stall page there where people can purchase prints and calendars and such. And another great way to keep up with my work is Facebook. My professional page is Sophie Gammon's Photography. I share a lot of stories of the, you know, the people flower power and rescues and a little bit of everything that I do. And of course, my Instagram account, you know, for anybody out there that uh, enjoys Instagram, um, like I said, I have over 40,000 followers. So it's a very active community and I share about a couple of photos every day. So, you know, you're sure to get your treats of cute photos and a lot of flower portraits and shelter dogs and it's, it's all fun and sweet. And my account is at Sophie Gammond on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'm so sorry to say that we're out of time. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you, <laughs> Sophie. Thank you so much for joining us Thank today. you. Thank and you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And, you know, continue doing the amazing work that you're doing. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and hearing about your exploits, taking flower power across the country. Uh, yes, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you sure. very much. Sure. And thank you all for listening. And thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, who makes us sound so good. My passion is fashion, and there's nothing more fashionable than making people aware about homeless animals and showcasing them in a beautiful way that Sophie does. So tune in next time, too, to discover the designers, styles, and home decor I love. And don't forget to visit me on BarkAndSwagger.com, where you'll find great fashion stories and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.